0: I wish to make a correction of an announcement that I made a few moments ago. I guess I got so excited when I realized that we all occupy ten-dollar seats here that I inadvertently announced that next Sunday would be communion. It will not. One of your very efficient staff members contacted me by means of our private telephone during the singing of that beautiful anthem to say that I said Holy Communion. No, next week it's the sacrament of infant baptism and I stand corrected. Hear the Word of God as it's found in the first gospel, Matthew the 19th chapter beginning to read at the 16th verse. And behold, one came up to Jesus saying, Teacher, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? One there is who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which? And Jesus said, you shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have observed. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Amen and amen. You people over here, you have it. So do you people. You do. We have it. We have it because God's placed it in each one of us. This desire to acquire, this passion to possess, we have it. It's a part of being human, and being alive. You ever realize nobody has to teach us? Nobody has to teach us how to want. We learn that lesson even when we fail kindergarten. As little children, you know, the first words that we learn of our limited vocabulary are those words, me, mine, more. This incident that is recorded to us in Scripture tells us about the life of a a young, rich, ruler. Boy, he had everything. Youth, power, treasure. What more could he want? We'd be satisfied for that, wouldn't we? But this man was not. He still felt that there was one thing he lacked. And he came to Jesus to ask how he could get that one thing more. We know the feeling. One person asked J.D. Rockefeller when he was living, what does it require to make a wealthy person happy? What does it take to satisfy him? And honestly and simply, Mr. Rockefeller responded, just a little more. That's why we're not satisfied. That is a sign of our passion to possess. And you and I have it. We brought it to church with us today. And if you don't realize it, that's a passion that every one of us will carry to the grave now fortunately God's son Jesus Christ when he came to teach us about life he recognized this passion this desire that is within each one of us and he helps us to wrestle with how we're going to use it you see Jesus is not the not just the only begotten son of the father but he is the only interpreter authentic interpreter from god as to how life is to be lived and when jesus came he said you have this passion contrary to what some preachers might say or want you to say nowhere believe me nowhere from my study of the gospels do i find jesus ever being critical of that passion that is within you and me. He knows that it's been placed there by the Father and the Father gives only things that are good that drive, that passion to possess, that desire to to accumulate and to get that's a God-given passion and Jesus knows that And nowhere does he tell us to throttle that passion. Unlike Buddha, who in his religion and to his followers says that we should reduce the desire of this passion until we get it to the bare essentials of life. Jesus nowhere says that. And don't let any preacher ever tell you differently. To the contrary, Jesus says, Go out, get treasures. Treasures. Lay up for yourselves possessions. Multiply. Use your talents. Go get them. But, says Jesus, and that's the big little word. But, he says, when you go to get possessions, make sure you get worthwhile possessions make sure you get possessions that are going to be here longer than the day after tomorrow make sure you get possessions that are eternal jesus calls them heavenly possessions lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moss nor corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal that's the kind of possessions jesus wants you and me to get And he's given us the passion to possess and wants us to go get those gifts because it's in those gifts that we find eternal life. You see, Jesus knows what we know that. God has given to every one of us not only this passion to possess, but He's also given us the tools with which we can feed that passion and possess. God has given to everyone three tools. We call them the three T's. You have them, I have them. And they're here for us to feed the passion to possess. Time, talent, treasure. its all you need. All anyone needs. And you know, you do it. If you're willing to take the time, if you're willing to use the talent, if you're willing to spend the treasure, you get possessions. Do you realize Jesus speaks more about Our relationship to our possessions than he does about any other subjects. Most people would like to believe that he talks most about love. He doesn't. You count the number of passages and you'll find that he talks more about our relationship to our possessions than he does any other subject. That's how important it is to Jesus. Because, you see, Jesus, through his parables, through his teachings, through his conversations, is constantly trying to implant into our minds and into our hearts and into our passion the realization that we have this drive, this desire to acquire, and we can use it either for earthly possessions or what Jesus calls heavenly possessions. He knows that we have the freedom because God's given it to us to use these talents, these treasures, the time that we are allotted on life to either buy one or the other type of possessions or both. And Jesus keeps stressing to us to use this particular drive, this passion, this desire to possess those things which are called heavenly possessions. And when you gather together all of his readings and try to extract the kernel, you see, that's why Jesus keeps saying, don't put your money in houses. Houses can be eaten by moths, corroded by rust, broken into by thieves but he says put your money your time your talents and your treasure instead into building a home that is something that nobody can take away which moth and rust cannot consume Jesus tries to tell us instead of being interested only in clothes and in cuisine, he said, get more involved in using your time, talent, and money to build a character. For character is something that moth and rust cannot destroy and which no person can take away from you. Jesus tries to tell us instead of spending time, effort, and money on stuff, spend it on satisfactions. Instead of investing in things, invest in people. They last. Instead of just going about picking up this piece of thing and that piece of thing, use your time, your talent, and your treasure to get peace of mind. For when you do, that means you have found a little bit of the secret and exchanged those tools for an understanding of eternal life. And that's what it's all about. You people know that. I've learned this lesson from some of you. You know that when you go and take time, use your talents. And spend your money, no matter what it costs you, to do something for somebody who cannot do something for himself. There comes a warm feeling that even the grave cannot take away, which no thief will be able to steal from you, which rust and moth cannot consume when you are willing to get involved in a cause and invest your time your money and every ounce of talent that you have it doesn't really matter whether or not you find out whether the cause is successful or not or even if you win or lose that's not important and who really knows whether we win or lose until history tells us sometime long after we're gone but the important thing is the satisfaction that can come into a person's life when he knows he took a stand he paid the cost because he believed he was right when you have that feeling nobody and take that possession away from you. When you're willing to stand beside the cross, and when you're willing to be beside Jesus as you understand Him from your hearing of His Word preached and taught, when you are willing, no matter what it costs, in time, talent, and treasure, To daily take up your cross and follow Him, you have a peace, a sense that no earthly possession can give to you, and which no earthly force can ever take away from you. And that's what Jesus wants us to have because that is what life is all about. Feelings, satisfactions, knowledge, a belief that what we do is not temporal but is eternal. That's why Jesus spends so much time on this subject, because so much of what you and I find in life will depend upon how we use our teas, time, talents, treasure. Now, today, whether we're using them to buy earthly possessions or whether we're exchanging them to buy heavenly possessions, whether or not we're investing them in eternity, or whether we're just wasting them today. You see, Jesus does not want any of us to learn the lesson from first-hand experience, but rather he wants us to learn it by believing in him. That if we don't learn how to invest in eternity... And in heavenly possessions, we are individuals who are liable to gain the possession of the whole world, but in the process lose our own souls. Now, if you have to learn that lesson through experience, and you are not willing to learn that from the teaching of Jesus, when you do learn it from experience, it's too late. It's too late. And you cannot then start to invest in eternal and heavenly possessions. T.M. Barry wrote a three-act play. It's very short. I recommend it to you. Some years back he wrote it that all three acts take place in an attorney's office. In the first act, a man and a woman, a couple, enter into the attorney's office. They obviously are bride and groom and they're ecstatic with happiness. The young man Philip Ross is coming to an inheritance. They're going to make out a will and the husband wants to do it with one sentence. Leave all of his earthly belongings to his wife. And she laughingly and lovingly protests no darling that's not right. Let us share it with some of your cousins And with that beautiful little nursing home down the road. Oh, the attorney is thrilled. He hasn't seen such a gesture of unselfishness in a long time. He puts his arms around both and he says, You know, you are a ridiculous couple, but please do not ever change. Act two, same office, 20 years later. The size of the husband's material possessions has increased. Now he comes to the attorney's office and his wife comes with him so that he will not do anything foolish. She wrangles him every time he suggests giving or leaving his cousin something. They've never done anything for you. And the poor nursing home, both of them have forgotten about that. It's only after much embarrassment on the part of of the attorney that these two people arguing, each claiming that the money is theirs, is any type of agreement reached at all. Act 3, 20 years later, Philip Ross, Sir Philip Ross, he is now knighted. He comes to the attorney's office alone. His wife is dead. His children, by his confession, have turned out to be no-gooders. And they never come see their bereaved dad. He wants to change his whole will and cut off every living relation. He starts to dictate, I leave my... I leave my... Oh, Lord, who can I leave this to? And he paces up and down. The attorney's office pulls a sheet of paper out, hands it to the attorney and said, on this piece of paper are the names of six people that I fought to get my money. I beat them. Now divide it amongst those six and leave it to them with my curses. That's a play. But things like that are played out every day in the homes of people we know. That's tragic. Because when you get to that moment and learn the lesson that this passion to possess can eventually possess you, When that truth dawns upon you, it's too late. And you forfeit the right to invest in eternal life. So the point you see of this incident that we read and are trying to explain right now is simply this that Jesus is trying to tell you and me today that a person can never be too young to start making investments in heavenly possessions and even for the young it now may be even too late the person that comes to jesus is a rich young ruler he has Been to church. He observes the commandments ever since the days of his youth. He is prosperous. He is mighty. But he is unhappy. And what upsets Jesus and sorrows him is that this young person, mind you, we don't know how young, but the Bible, Matthew calls him young, this young person throughout all of the gifts that have been given to him in his life, he has not yet learned that his possessions can possess him unless he first has used his passions to possess those gifts that can last. Ladies and gentlemen, You and I still have the treasures. You and I, we still have the talents. I hope we still have a little time left, though not one of us here now knows how much time we have left. So before it's too late, may I ask you please to remember that you are not too young and none of us is getting younger. To stop and to think. And before we fill out any pledges, before we purchase any articles, let's just see whether or not we are using our passion to invest in the things of this world. Or whether we're really getting our time, talent, and money's worth and investing in the things of eternal life. Invest in eternity. You can't go wrong. Father, we have troubles knowing how to use the gifts that you've given to us. Give us the courage to use the gifts as you made them because that's when they work for us and not against us. And we do know that if we seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, everything that we need shall be added unto us. Lord, help us to have learned in this hour. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of His Holy Spirit Be and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.